Well, how are we? You guys didn't show up last week, but that's fair because it was like so windy. I missed you. I've been like, you know, trying to survive. I'm from California, so like I, this is still sort of just a shock to the system. My mom, she calls me and she, she's like, are you wearing the big coat that I bought you? She, she bought me this huge coat like back when I moved to Iowa to go to college. And it's like, no, it's so overkill. This coat, it's so ridiculous that even when it's this cold, I don't need to wear it. I just try and go like you guys, you know, just like I'm sure some of you just came with a hoodie on, whatever. Like I have a vest and then I put another down coat on top of this, but that's just what you do when you're from California and it's this cold. But man, this is cool. It's good to see you guys. We're going to continue in the Romans 5 series. We, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to spend a few more weeks in Romans 5. And so bef- before we turn there tonight, like, I think I can kind of start by getting us to all say, getting us to all agree that we, we don't actually think the world is perfect, right? Like, none of us are strangers to the fact that there is suffering in the world, that there's injustice, injustice in the world, that there, there are people doing horrible things, right? We, we sometimes even find ourselves asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Is that fair? Like, we, we ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? Like, like why are there 28 million African little children starving? Why, why is that happening? Why is that okay? Why are there thousands and thousands of young girls sold into sex slavery in East Asia. Like, why, why does that happen? How does that happen? How is that even possible for a human being to do? Is it, is it simply just that people, like some people are good and some people are bad and, and bad things happen to good people or is there something else going on? Is there, is there something stopping the fact that there are good people working to stop evil? They're, they're giving their time and their money and they're, they're, they're doing things to push back the darkness. Why isn't it winning? Like why hasn't stuff like this come to an end? Why is there so much corruption in the world even in the first place? And, and is it going to stop? Like, is, is justice going to be delivered? Is it just that bad things happen to good people? Or is there something wrong even with us? You guys, you see, a, a disease has been plaguing humanity. This disease is underneath every act of injustice that's ever been done in the world. No one's immune to this disease. In fact, this disease is hereditary. It's been passed down from every single person that's ever walked the face of the earth. And it's not just those people that we think are worse than us or or who have different opinions on how the government should be run. No, it's infected you just as bad. This disease has infected the entire human race. 
Our text tonight is actually going to start off by telling us how it came into the world. Turn to Romans 5. We're going to be in verses 12 through 17. Let me read for us the first verse. Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. There's one man that sin came into the world through, and death through his sin. Like, you, you guys are probably going, who is this man? Like, what, how is this possible that this man could be responsible for all of this stuff, that he could have caused all of this? You're probably going, man, he's the worst, isn't he? Like, what could he possibly have done? Well, let me tell you. I'm glad you asked. You see, you're actually related to him. Yeah, you're related to him. His name's Adam. You're like probably going, I'm not ever going to name my kid Adam. Yep, okay, yep. Um, but, okay, you're related to him. How? I'm glad you asked. He's the head of the entire human race. From him came everyone else. Because of his sin, you're a sinner. Welcome to Salt Company. Yep, you're a sinner. Yep. How are we doing? Okay. And you're not just a sinner, but you, you're actually responsible for some of what he did in this way because he is the head of the entire human race, like I just said. And you see this, this sin that he committed, this, this one thing that he has done, the just punishment from a holy God for his disobedience is death. That's why Paul says, just as sin came into the world through one man, death followed right after it. In Genesis 3, you've probably read about it, right? Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam did something actually even far, far worse, and that's why Paul is just going after Adam in this, because Eve was deceived. Adam just ate it. He just was like, she's giving it to me. Sweet. Cool. Okay. Adam did the very thing God told him not to do and wasn't even deceived. Paul says death spread to all men because all sin, like death spread everywhere. But only Adam and Eve were in the garden. Like you and I weren't there. Like what is up with that? Like how come, how come death has spread to us. How come there's physical and spiritual death everywhere? Why does Paul say that all have sinned? We have to, we have to understand this a bit, and he's going to keep unpacking this, but what's going on is we haven't just all individually sinned. Again, we've sinned in Adam. He, being the head of the human race, has passed down what Paul's going to call later condemnation or this guilt. So remember, we're related to Adam. Sorry to bring the bad news. But we didn't just all come from Adam 
we're connected to him in these two ways. Track with me, okay? The first one is natural. We've been talking about this already a little bit, right? We, we like came from his loins. It's a weird way of saying it. Like that's how like old people talk about it, okay? This means we are natural descendants of him. And we have a sin nature. Like we have a problem at the very core of our heart. But the second one is federal. So there's natural and there's federal. And again, this federal one is talking about he being the first human being to ever walk the face of the earth, being made in the image of God and rebelling against God's goodness and his good design. Adam as our representative, him him disobeying God as our representative, those actions have affected us. Let me, let me illustrate this, this natural one for a minute that we've been talking about, right? We've, we've come from his loins, right? You and I actually do exactly what Adam does just after the fall. You don't have to turn there real quick. I'm just going to flip all the way back to Genesis 3. Read real quick verses 8 through 12. Let me show you how this happens because like, we do this. Watch. And they heard... Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They've just ate from the tree. They've just started to hide themselves. It says, in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the, the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. There's two things Adam does. The first one is he hides. Like we, we do that, right? When we sin, we, we hide. We have this natural connection to our first father, we do that very thing when we sin. We kind of just inch a little bit away from God. The second one, the second thing Adam does here, right, is he just points the finger at Eve. He, he blames her for what he did too. Like we come up with excuses to minimize why we sinned, why we sinned again, right? We, we're really good at kind of shifting the blame. We're trying to kind of pull back the reasons why we sin and kind of say, it's because of that. They did this. this. This device I already have, it just does that. We were connected to Adam. We fell with him. Adam was our representative. And because of our connection to him, these two things, these two ways in which we're connected to him, they actually, it turns out that it means this. That we're not just Sinners because we sin. Instead, we sin because we're sinners. It is our heart's disposition. That's what is wrong with us at our core. The result of his one act brought death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. That's why in Ephesians 2, Paul can say that we are dead. Like we're, we're these walking dead people that we're we're physically alive yet spiritually dead and everyone's going to die physically too. 
Sin and death came from one man, but we participated in this sin. And if you're anything like me, I know you're kind of like, man, I hate the fact that that's the, that's the case. Like, I don't like this. I don't get that I'm responsible and I'm guilty in Adam. Just hold that thought for a minute. Like, just, like, literally just hold it. Um, we're going to talk about it, okay? We still have some verses to cover. Let me read the next couple verses. Let me flip back to Romans. Did anyone flip to Genesis with me? No? Okay, cool. I'm just flipping back. All right. Let me get a running start. I'm going to read verse 12 again. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So Paul, he kind of like just goes off on this other little tangent for a minute here. And what's, what's kind of interesting is he never really quite like perfectly gets back onto his train of thought, but he, he realizes he needs to explain a few more things. Like, he needs to get across the fact that sin was in the world before the law was given. But he says, sin's not counted where there is no law. What does that mean? The law he's talking about, right, it's the the law of Moses. The law was given to God's people, God's chosen people, Israel, this way that they were called into life with him, but he had already made a covenant with them. He had already put his special love on them to be a blessing to all nations, but he gave them the law to make them distinct from the world. They weren't to follow the law in order to get into relationship with God. No, he had already moved towards them and made his covenant with them. Keeping the law wasn't the Basis for being God's chosen people, the law was to make them distinct from the rest of the world and show the need for the mercy and grace of God. But Paul is saying here that between the time of Adam and the time the the law was given, there was still sin in the world. All the law did was expose sin. It's not that there wasn't any punishment for sin in between those two people and and Adam and then the law being given through Moses. No. Look at verse 14 with me. It says that death still reigned even over those whose sinning wasn't like the transgression of Adam. Those who didn't disobey a direct command from God. People still died before the law was given so they didn't break a direct command from God. There was still sin in the world. It just wasn't known as sin. Everyone still rebelled against God. People worshipped and served false gods. They didn't break a direct command from God as Adam did, but they murdered. And their consciences bore witness against them that those things were wrong. Like, I don't, I don't know if you've read Romans before, but there's a lot of stuff Paul talks about before Romans 5. I would say 
go and read that. Check out what Paul is saying because he's making this crazy kind of systematic argument showing us that this indeed was the case. So people still died before the law because their sinning deserved justice. In fact, death reigned that whole period of time. And there wasn't a law. There wasn't anything written down to say, live this way. Nobody did what was right. In Genesis 6-5, this is actually what God says to how they were living. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. This is in this time period. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, the thoughts of, of man's heart, was only evil continually. <clears throat> but then, what does Paul say next? Death reigned from Adam to Moses. But look at these words. Death reigned over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Guys, this is a news being told to us about Jesus. Jesus is the one who was to come. Adam was just a type. He was just, he was just the kind of foreshadow. He was the first man, but Jesus was going to be the second Adam. Like God created Adam, knowing he would only be a type of the one who was to come. God wasn't surprised when Adam sinned in the garden, no. God had already prepared a way. He had already planned to move towards us in grace. God knew Adam would sin. And he knew all of us would be hopeless, unable to come to him. We would be dead. We'd be spiritually dead, enslaved to sin. We would have no way of making our way to him. Thank God Adam was only a type of the one who was to come. Let's go to verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Okay, so one sin... One act of disobedience, Paul says, brought condemnation. This, this big word for there being a, a guilty verdict over us. It brought condemnation over every single person, this one transgression. Because of Adam's sin, all of us are condemned. We don't we don't need anyone to convince us of the fact that there is death and there's suffering and there is, there is spiritual death. Like people are still physically dying. We don't, we don't actually need convincing of that, do we? 
Paul's telling us that just as plain as a reality as that is, even more so, even, even more of a true thing, even, even surely more, people have the free gift of life in Jesus. And this free gift, for those who receive it by faith, it changes their verdict. It changes, it goes from being condemned to not guilty, from condemned to justified. See, Jesus was the second Adam. He was the one who was to come, right? We, at the end of our life, are either going to belong to Adam's family tree or we're going to be grafted into Jesus' family tree by faith. You see, we're born belonging to Adam. We're born not right with God, but through faith we are offered life and forgiveness. The second Adam, Jesus has come. He has, he has done something to not just overturn and kind of just cancel what Adam has done. No, he is offering something far better. You see, Jesus was always the coming one. Paul wants us to get the fact that the result of this one man's sin is bad. Like, this is bad news, but there is, is good news. The free gift, this free gift, we don't do anything to earn it. The free gift is not like Adam's trespass. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. That word, that word sometimes in a lot of Paul's letters means like counted righteous, but here he's actually just saying acquittal. Like we've been, we've been forgiven. And then he's going to go on. Look at verse 17. He's going to go on to still remind us we're counted righteous if we have faith in Jesus. He says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That's good news, right? How awesome is that? That we just have to receive a gift. Like, we receive this thing that's horrible from Adam. We didn't do anything about it, and we don't like that, right? I told you to hang on to that fact that you don't like that. I don't like that. Like, that's kind of that's just harsh news, right? That all of a sudden, we're just born condemned because of someone else. But that's how God designed it. And only because it works like that is it possible for us to be justified by faith through the work of someone else. Nothing that we do, just like Adam brought condemnation, just like his transgression brought sin and death into the world, Jesus' work of offering up himself, of going to the cross for you and for me, of emptying himself offers life, and forgiveness. Guys, we can't overcome sin and death on our own. No. 
we would stay in that one family tree. We cannot work our way out of that. That's why it has to be a free gift of grace. You guys, only through accepting this free gift do we receive life. We overcome sin and death by accepting Jesus' gift. You guys, look at, look at this again with me. Verse 17. Jesus saved us, right? He is offering us this gift of righteousness. Paul says, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Like Jesus saved us to reign in life with him. It's, it's not about us, right? Like eternity with God is going to be us worshiping him, but we are going to reign with Jesus. But I think a lot of the time what our lives can tend to kind of look like is this continual kind of just cycle of feeling shame for our sin, eventually repenting of sin, Maybe bringing it into the light, confessing sin, right? Only to, to feel like God's forgiveness isn't enough for us. Like we try to fix ourselves up before coming back to God. I want to remind you that if you've connected yourself to Jesus through faith in him, this means you have the power over sin, like reigning in life in this moment in this time before you go to be with Jesus means you have power over your sin. You can reign in life with Jesus now because of the victory he has won. The reign of death, the reign of sin has been ended by Jesus' victory over death, raising to new life. Like in, in glory, we're going to reign with Jesus, but we aren't left to just wait for that day. That's a great day to have hope for that day, to have our eyes set on that day, but we're we're actually people who have power over sin. We have new life. We have resurrection power. Like this, this passage, think about it for a minute. It doesn't tell us to, to do anything. Like there's not a command in it. But I think there's actually some things that we can still apply to our lives because of this gift that's been offered to us. Like Jesus is offering you this gift. If you, haven't, if you haven't received this gift through faith, you are going to die. And, and your death is only going to give way to eternal separation from God, the author of life. The one who's offering you this gift, who's offered himself. Like he was determined from before creating, before the foundation of the earth. He was determined to put himself on a cross. Jesus has always been the coming one, you guys. He's always been the coming one. Adam was just a type. So accept the free gift if you haven't. Accept the free gift because you can reign in life with Jesus and that life can start already now. You can have hope in suffering. Like we, we saw this already in the beginning of Romans 5, right? That because we have peace with God, we have hope through any circumstance. Like sin is still in the world causing terrible things, yet we are people who 
who know that it's going to be brought to an end and perfect justice is going to be delivered. And we've joined ourselves with Jesus through faith. We're a part of his reign. We're not the main story. We're not the main character. But we can have hope in the darkest moments, right? Because of Jesus. And we have power over sin. Sin no longer has dominion over us, is what Paul's going to say in the next chapter. To reign in life is to reign over sin. Like we have power to turn from sin. We have, we have power to say no to sin. And his life, his righteousness that's been gifted to you, Christian, means you no longer have to hide your sin. It, it means you can actually confess your sin quickly, throwing yourself back onto the mercy of God. Like maybe, maybe tonight you need to repent of, of trying to find a better gift than the free gift of Jesus. I, like, man, my heart wants to find things better and it needs to be reminded of the fact that Jesus is the best gift and it's this free gift offered to me. It's, it's free. Like, it was costly for him, but it's free for me. I think another thing that, again, this passage doesn't have a command, but it's someone who receives this gift, this great gift, how could they not be humble? Like, like being someone saved by grace, being someone who's just received a gift and been offered life, man, humility comes only through knowing Jesus. We can, we can literally deny ourselves because we belong to Jesus, because he's denied what he deserved. He's come as a servant. And we can have an eagerness to share the gospel. We can have an eagerness to share this news that the second Adam has come. That he has beat sin and death. Like more people need to hear this news. More people are still going to get saved because Jesus has won. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. People are facing death. Like some of you have roommates that, that don't know Jesus. What would it look like to even just start reading the book of Romans with them, unpacking with them Romans chapter 5? You guys, Jesus Christ is the better Adam. He's come. He's, he's beaten sin and death. He's offered himself as a free gift for you. The last thing I like just think this passage is kind of leading us into is to worship, right? Like, I don't, I don't, again, know that there's any better response than to worship God because God has set his love for us before the foundation of the world. He always was coming as the rescuer. Jesus Christ is the better Adam, you guys. Like, Paul wants us to get the fact that he's better in every respect. His work has been given to us. We get his righteousness through faith. We go from being dead, alienated, sinners, doomed to die, and we're gifted life. The only man who ever lived without sin his merit can be given to us as a gift. And accept that gift.
You guys, what? again, I think Jesus deserves his worship because of his gift. Like we can only receive the gift. So man, if, if, you, if you haven't received this gift tonight, receive the gift. Like it, is Jesus kind of tugging at your heart to receive what he has done for you? You don't earn this. You don't clean yourself up before you come to him. The work has been finished. So company, Jesus is our life. He's brought us into this reign that he deserves. Like we reign in life with him. Immerse yourself in the story of scripture. Like this is one story of God's rescue mission of sending the one who was to come. God's plan to save us through sending Jesus. If we lived this out, if we were changed by this fact that we've only been given a free gift and that gift is Jesus Christ himself, I think more people would see us proclaiming the gospel. More, more people would hear the gospel. More people would see what Jesus has done producing humility in us. You guys, just like sin and death has come into the world through one man, righteousness and life have come through the God-man, Jesus Christ. Jesus has undone the result of Adam. He sacrificed himself to offer us the life that we were created for, to be with God. Like God is the end the gospel's only good news because it brings us into a restored relationship with God. Just as certain as it is that we are going to die. Much more. Those who receive the free gift are going to reign in life, you guys. Let me, let me pray for us and, and let us respond in worship to the fact that Jesus has has offered himself, he's offered his life so we would have life. God, thank you that in your, in your love for us when we, were, when we were still sinners, when you knew that we would only sin and do what is evil in your sight, you decided to be the coming one. You, you set your face on going to the cross for us. Jesus, you poured out everything you had. You, you were separated from the Father for us to be united to you. going to pray that you would be the one that our heart loves most, that we would, we would confess the fact that we, we have looked for a better gift than the one you offer us. God, I'm sorry that you, you haven't deserved the worship for me that you deserve, that, that I haven't just loved 
and worship Jesus like he deserves because I go and look for a, a better gift as if there was one. God, we, we can only say that we love you because you first loved us. Thank you that you invite us into reigning in life with you, Jesus. Pray that you would pull more people into your reign, that your salvation would, would come to more people through us. Pray in your name. Amen.